This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning to Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom, it's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Finding out who's more than friends and who's out for revenge. It's episode 407 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. Some great guests on the show this week. Going to be talking to Camila Moreno, who plays Lourdes on CW's Naomi, which returned this past week. So, yeah, I'll talk to her about this past week's episode and everything that's led up to it. Plus, you know, take a look at the future of what might be going on with Naomi and Lourdes. Is there a setback there to their potential budding romance. We'll talk about that and a whole bunch more stuff. Plus, I'm going to go back and talk about Fistful of Vengeance as well. The next chapter in the Wu Assassin series from Netflix. Going to be talking to Lawrence Cow, who plays Tommy. And, of course, Juju Chan Zetso, who plays Zan in the movie as well. And, oh, yes, I'll talk to them about the many skills that were put on display in Fistful of Vengeance, if you've already seen it on Netflix. But a whole bunch of nerd news to tackle this week, too. Got some reviews coming up of some interesting movies and shows as well. But first, let's start things off with speaking of great shows, Naomi's one of those. I'll talk to Camilla Moreno about playing Lourdes on Naomi next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Nelson Lee from DC's Stargirl, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. One show that I was really excited to come back was Naomi on the CW. The DC series has been killing it already on Tuesday nights, and there's been a lot of intrigue surrounding the series and one of the reasons for that is this lady right here playing Lourdes it's Camila Moreno Camila how you doing hi how are you thank you for having me doing really really good so before we dive into what's going on now let's actually go back a bit to when you're first cast in the series I know you're familiar with the comics which is really really cool so what excited you the most about being a part of Naomi of this Naomi series oh my god everything like it's it's a good story to begin with like and you know, that's everything you need to like get invested in, in in anything, in a story specifically. But like, it's just, it's just very good. I I feel like I root for the main character, Naomi. And 
Yeah. And, and I don't know, it's just, it's just great. And I feel blessed to be a part of it. So I have to say, Camila, that there's been plenty of times where I wish that I could have been as cool as confident as Lourdes is, honestly. So what was it like getting to bring her and that energy to life on screen? Oh my God. It's so liberating to be honest. Like, cause I am confident, but not to the level where Lourdes is confident. You know what I mean? And I feel that it gives me permission to, you know, be playful and, you know, lean back a little and not try as much. She's like, she's leaned back. She's relaxed. She knows what she wants. She knows who she is. And, and it's just great to be able to live in that space. It's sort of an excuse, you know, it's an excuse to like be cool. No doubt about it. You can take a lot of lessons in cool from Lourdes from the look to everything. <laughs> that's going. I'm just saying that there's a lot of cool going on there. Seriously. So it was pretty obvious from the start that there was a spark between Naomi and Lourdes. I mean, that you, that you can cut the tension with a knife in there. So what do you think makes that connection so strong and so unique? You know, I, I think they have a lot in common. Like I said, like Lourdes is very confident, but also Naomi's also very confident. And I think when you pair two people that are, you know, very unapologetic in their personalities and in their way of being, I think, you know, they're bound to be great friends. And I think that's what's happening here. Oh, certainly, certainly. And maybe a little bit more than that, too, because, I mean, you fast forward and it looks like Lourdes is part of, I mean, quite a love triangle or love rhombus, whatever you want to call it, that's going on here in Naomi. So what? how much did you know about how complicated things were going to get between Lourdes and Naomi and Nathan and, and Anthony and this whole thing that's going on? You know, I think that's really up to interpretation, but um, I, I definitely think that Lourdes does have a little crush on on Naomi. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I mean, I I mean, I'm just saying I we mean, had the whole like, come through my window thing. moment. And that was just, I, hey, if it wasn't already obvious to me, I mean, you climb through somebody's <laughs> window and yeah, you know, <laughs> hey, she was there to help. OK, well, oh, she definitely helped. There's no question about that. We're not questioning the help, Camila. We're, we're questioning the <laughs> motives a little bit, a little bit. Now, they're pure. Don't get me wrong. They're pure. But I'm just saying there, there's a little bit there. Actually, it's really funny because as I'm watching the show, the early episodes, they, they were really careful not mm -hmm. to reveal which way that Naomi was leaning romantically. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed that the show was very, very careful, like, oh, well, she doesn't necessarily prefer Lourdes or she doesn't prefer Nathan or anything like that. So how cool was that for you guys to see in the early episodes to kind of like keep you all guessing as well? You know, I think what's so great about that specifically and also about the show in general is that it's very real in terms of like, in real life, you don't you don't know exactly what you want all the time, you know? And, and especially when you're a teenager, I think you, you're because you're finding yourself and because you're figuring out the things that you want from life or like the things that you like and, you know, the things that you don't want, you're, you're bound to like change opinions and, and not really be sure. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this story and about like adolescence in general as well is that like it's it's the perfect moment to like figure out who you are and and who you want around specifically as well who you want around oh, I, that, I is, love it. that is a great way to put it who you want around because yeah. that is so so true but you know yeah. camila fans ship what they want to ship and and i know that there's a circle of fans that are rooting for lourdes and Naomi. So what was your reaction to what happened in episodes four and then episode five as well, where Naomi essentially, she chooses Nathan, at least right now? You know, no hard feelings. I mean, she she's a free human and she, I don't know, like from, from my perspective, from Camila's perspective, it's like very like, of course, she's not sure. She's going to like follow 
her brain and her heart and we'll see we'll see what happens but also lourdes doesn't really know what's what's happening that's true um, right now she doesn't so, right. you know so she's i mean in her brain she's like she's going for it we'll see if anybody would just roll with it though i think it would be her honestly i mean we talked about that before <laughs> so if anybody's gonna roll with it it would definitely be lourdes because she's just <laughs> Talking to Camila Moreno, who plays Lourdes on CW's Naomi, which you can watch every Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, on the CW. Now, Camila, beyond the romantic, this this is a group that is part of a larger circle of friends. So talk about the overall chemistry within that group, and what's your favorite thing about these friendships overall? First of all, it's so easy to, to play their friends because they're just a great, wonderful group of people on and off camera, you know, like it's funny because in holding, like, we're like, we have to make sure that we're quiet and we're not talking all the time. And that's just like very telling of, you know, how great this show was cast. You know, they're not just great actors, but great human beings. So it's been piece of cake to create chemistry with these people. And I literally mean everyone, not just like the group of friends, but like the parents and everyone in the cast is just wonderful to work with. So I'm very grateful in, in that sense. And in friendship in general, like I, I love the fact that they're all up for, you know, whatever your friend needs, you know? And that's, I love that. Like that's what friends are for. And I know it sounds like, I don't know, cheesy or cliche, but like, in, in what I'm saying, but like, yeah, like if your friend needs something and if your friend like is struggling with something, like why wouldn't you just go out there and like figure it out with them? So yeah, it's just, I love that they're, you know, they're right or dies because, you know. You know, it's funny because I feel like almost every friend fits a specific need for another friend in this group, which is really, really cool about this dynamic. It seems like Lourdes is the one that she's always there at the right place and the right time, especially when Naomi needs her, it's like she's got some sort of radar or something, and she's like, oh, okay, oh, Naomi needs me, I gotta get there. So do you feel like, in a way, she kind of centers Naomi, and in that respect, could she maybe be a little bit of a sleeper for, for somebody who's actually gonna help Naomi be able to control her powers, because we've seen her struggle with that? I mean, we'll see, we'll find out. I mean, also, what's so cool about Lourdes is, like, she's she's there when, when she's needed, also because she's, like... I think Lourdes is sort of a loner herself. So in, in spite of like her being a great friend to, to Naomi, she's also out and about all the time, you know? And she, I don't know, she has her own car and she's she's all over the place all the time. So it's, she's like, it's easy for her to be there as well, you know? She wants to be there, but it's also like, she sort of leads a very different life than, than the other characters. So I think, I don't know, we'll see what happens, but she leads a, a different life. That does make her very unique in that regard. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, things seem to get more and more dangerous around Naomi with these with each passing episode. So by extension, that means things can get more dangerous for her friends as well. Now, we know that Lourdes is smart, but Camila, I got to know, do you think that she could handle herself maybe if things went sideways a bit and she had to get her hands dirty? Can, can Lourdes, does she have skills? I mean, I think Lourdes is the bravest person I know. And I talked to her as if I, she was like a person I know. And I really <laughs> that. Like she's, she's all for it. And I think she's very like, she's very wise in the sense of like, she knows, I think she, she knows up to what point she can, she can go, you know? But also I think she is ready for, for whatever. I mean, I think that's why she's also there. Like she, she doesn't question it. She's just there. So, so yeah, I think she's, she's brave enough for that, for anything. Oh, that definitely gives us something to look forward to. That's juicy right there. Okay. Now, Camila, before I let you go, correct me if I'm wrong, but you all have wrapped 
the season, right? Wrap filming? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So is there an episode coming up? No spoilers, of course. Is there an episode coming up that you really, really love or do you think are just going to freaking blow fans' minds that's coming up in the coming weeks? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. I can't say much, but um, we have a very exciting season. I'm just going to say, like, it's a very exciting oh, no season. Doubt. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for what's coming. Well, what's coming is every Tuesday night on The CW. That's where you can watch Naomi and see everything and all the cool things that Lourdes has to offer from this lady right here. It's Camila Moreno. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And that's the kind of excitement that you see and feel around this show of Naomi ever since it's premiered. There's just something that feels so fresh about it. And I think Camila said it exactly right. These are characters that you want to root for, not just Naomi, but almost across the board. You, you almost like all of them, which doesn't happen very often. That's not an easy thing to do. And again, like she said, cast very, very well. And the return of Naomi every Tuesday night to the CW is something that I know I've been looking forward to. I know that you have as well. And hey, will Lorda still shoot her shot with Naomi? I guess we'll have to see in the upcoming episodes because Camila was a rock. She wasn't going to give us anything on that. So, But I think we've got some stuff to look forward to as well. Again, thanks to Camila Moreno for joining me to talk about CW's Naomi this week. Up next, going to switch gears and talk about Fistful of Vengeance, the brand new action movie from Netflix is now streaming. I'll talk to Lawrence Cow and Juju Tanzetto about that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey guys, it's Jake Manley from Netflix's The Order, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. When justice for Jenny turns into saving the world. We're talking about Fistful of Vengeance, the brand new movie on Netflix, which is now streaming. Of course, the continuation of the Wu Assassin saga. And boy, was there a whole lot going on in this movie. Not just the great action, but the plot twists twist that were involved as well. So I thought, why not go ahead and go back and talk about the movie with a couple of the stars that were actually a part of it. So my conversation with Lawrence Cow, who plays Tommy and Juju Chan Zetso presented spoiler-free, so whether you've seen the movie or not, you get a chance to get some great insight into it without having to worry about it having anything spoiled for you. So check it out. It's been a couple of years since we've seen you guys in the last episode of Wu Assassin, so let's just get a little baseline real quick. Talk about where we find both your characters as we start here in Fistful of Vengeance. So Zen is still playing Zen, and my whole purpose in this film is to make life very difficult for the Wu gang. <laughs> That's my purpose. I was going to say, hasn't nice. that kind of been her purpose since like the, the <laughs> moment we've saw her? Kind of <laughs> the first one? Well, no, I was, I was, that, that was, that was like with, I was loyal to Uncle Six and all the backstory, right? But this one, my whole purpose was really to come on. That's true. You're on. not quite lying in the weeds as much in this one as you, as you were in the, in the early part of the last one. That's for sure. <laughs> I guess for Tommy, like it's definitely a dramatic change. Obviously he's not, He's not on drugs anymore. He's clean. And now he just has a different purpose, you know, like family and the people closest to him are really important to him. And so just, you know, the title Fistful of Vengeance, we go out to Bangkok to seek vengeance for the death of my sister. And just that base note for my character brings out the the anger within him. And then um, I think it, that's just sort of what, what drives his character throughout the movie also with the idea that, you know, he also loves his brothers like Lucian and Kai. You know, it's funny. I want to actually expand on that a little bit because we talk about just for, justice for Jenny and I'm sure that Kai and Lou want that as well. 
But I mean, you guys, like you said, you are family. You might have different ideas of how to get that justice. Could we maybe see a little bit of tension within the group because of that? Because again, you know, brothers fight. Yeah, totally. You know, like there's definitely, there's definitely tension, you know, like for these characters, the journey is for them to get on the same page, you know, and there's, you know, there are all these outside elements, mystical things, all these things that are happening. But in the end, like the enemy is pretty much the things that we are fighting within ourselves. And so once these characters figure those things out, then they can do anything. Hopefully the, the audience gets that, and then you see that unfold in the movie. Totally. Now, Juju, yeah. we know that Zan's been hungry for power for a while now. Maybe maybe not since the beginning, like you said, but definitely been hungry for power in the latter half of the of uh, Wu Assassin. So she might have taken on Uncle Six, but could, could this new threat that we're going to see in Fistful of Vengeance actually make things a little bit more challenging for her to be able to do that? I also have special power. I don't want to get, give away too much stuff. That is true. But I do have made a deal with Penn, which is played by uh, Jason Tobin and Chi played by Yaya Ying to help defeat Kai. So Kai is my ultimate goal. I need to kill him and the rest of the gang. Hey, hey, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> easy now, easy. <laughs> it's a good thing we're on Zoom right now. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence, I want to go back to you for a second because we know that Tommy, he might not have powers like legs like Zan does or, or Kai, but he's still, he's got some skills now. Could we actually see him get a chance to showcase maybe more of his talents in Festival of Vengeance? Maybe we learn he's a bit more resourceful than we thought he was. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? You're going to have to watch the movie. But yes, you know, he still is a scrappy character. You know, Tommy, there is like a, this kinesthetic energy to Tommy, even like throughout the first season, I feel like it was within him. And so just to be able to see that expressed in a different form in like a in a more elevated form in, in this movie will be, I think, will surprise audiences. I think you're right about that. Now, Juju, I mean, your extensive martial arts background, I think that's pretty well documented at this point was on full display <laughs> in Wu Assassin. So did you want to go into this kind of trying to top that with, with the stunt team and stuff that you've already done, maybe go a little bit above that for this movie? And what was it like having Zan tangle with Kai again? Oh, it's great. First off, because in the first season, I didn't get a chance to fight with the Wu Assassin. And this time in this film, I got to fight with him twice. It's great. And the first time I even, okay, I can't say too much. Can't, can't say too much. <laughs> but but yes, fighting Eco is, is lots of fun. And because uh, he, he, I don't think he has really fought against uh, female villains much. He did maybe a few. But so this time we have a bit more things to play with because how me as a female can take on someone like him is like a really badass martial artist. He's Eko Yuez, who is in the Ray, right? And the Wu Assassin. So it's great. The choreography that we had was really fun to play with. We had to make it really convincing to show that how a woman can, can beat a guy like that. And it worked. And we did some rehearsals before. And then when we were, say, at the alley, the narrow alleyway, some of the moves would have to change a little bit to fit the environment. But it all worked out really well. And in the Iron Factory, that fight is, I really like that fight. The whole entrance of Zan going down and face off with him. The whole setup is, I think, is really epic. And the way Roll, uh, our director, filmed it, it's it's very, very 
Good. And I did show the stunt team some of the moves that I want to put in, and they incorporated some of the moves in, which is awesome. Because every time before a film, I will try to research and see what moves I want to do that the audience haven't seen before. And yeah, there are some cool moves in this film. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. The, the setting is really too cool too. And before I let you guys go, I wanted to ask you because Wu Assassin was set primarily in San Francisco. This time you're moving things to Thailand for a fistful of vengeance. So I wanted to ask the both of you, how do you think that this setting really helped add and enhance to this story this time around? Man, the setting in itself is just a character in itself. You know what I mean? And to be able to to navigate a story with temples, with caves, with like the street markets of, of Bangkok, Thailand was just breathtaking, I feel like, for all of us as actors. Mm. You know, we're all artists. And so to be able to perform and like do our art in such such a beautiful setting in, in a place that is so unfamiliar, especially to me, I've never been there before. Man, it's just, it's it's like, it's cool. It's breathtaking. Yeah, I love Bangkok. I go there all the time. It's one of my favorite places. And this time I got to work there and film at different locations and some exploring places that I have never been to before it, it's it's a different experience than just touring you know thailand so and then and, and from watching the film you will see as what lauren said temples and th- these all exotic places we discovered through the film it's it's yeah people will enjoy watching the film for the action for the characters and for the whole backdrop of thailand it's a really beautiful and hardcore film yes no doubt yeah. about that. And you can find out because it's now streaming on Netflix. Make sure you're watching Fistful of Vengeance. You know, rewatch Woo Assassin too while you're at it. Get yourself caught up. Go right into Fistful of Vengeance, making a nice binge. Lawrence, Juju, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. And they are right about that. The setting is absolutely breathtaking and really, really fits in with the movie too. And I mean, this is a low budget martial arts movie that just makes no bones about that fact. There's some cool action in there. You get that kind of old school 80s, 90s kung fu vibe from this movie. And it's really, really just, it's just a lot of fun. If you want to just go ahead and put it out there like that, it's a fun, action-packed movie. And if you're a fan of Wu Assassin, you're really going to enjoy Fistful of Vengeance. So make sure you're streaming that right now on Netflix. Again, thanks to Lawrence Cow and Juju Chan Zetto for joining me this week to talk about Fistful of Vengeance, which is now streaming on Netflix. Up next, going to talk about The House of Gucci, which is now available on Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K and digital. I'll give you a little bit of a review of the movie and my thoughts on the Blu-ray release next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. 
Hey, what's up? This is writer Sam Humphries, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Fashion is more deadly than you might think. House of Gucci, inspired by the true story, of course, of the Gucci family, is now available on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital from Universal Pictures, Home Entertainment, and MGM. And I wanted to give you a little bit of a review of the movie and also what you can expect from the release. I want to let you know that Universal Pictures Home Entertainment did provide me with a free copy of this movie for review. All opinions expressed are my own. And I have to say that the star power really stands out in this movie. But Lady Gaga, man, you know, I haven't seen her in a ton, but... She is just incredible as Patrizia in this movie. I mean, the way she... And you see in the, one of the special features, actually, and it's the the lady of the house, which kind of centers around her character. And everybody talks about how she really dove in to things and the fact that she is of Italian heritage. So that kind of helped her out a little bit and that helped bring a little bit more authenticity to the role. But everybody just raves about her. And you see why when you watch this movie because she brings such strength to the role and you kind of see... How she comes from, like, I don't want to say humble beginnings because that just seems cliche, but she comes from a little bit of an outside perspective from a family like Gucci, and, and of course, and then you see her kind of start to transform herself into this powerhouse of a woman that was just kind of clearly just hiding underneath, the, the, uh, underneath things this whole time. And you get to see how she becomes kind of the catalyst for how everything starts to kind of unravel for the Gucci family. Not necessarily the company, but the Gucci family anyway. And you start to see the cracks start to form really slowly too, though. I love how this this movie's kind of a slow burn of how the cracks come out. And you get to see how the dominoes fall as things play out. And, you know, and I'm not going to, again, I don't really want to spoil anything. I know the movie's been out for a while. You've probably seen it. But you get to see, it's almost like, people get picked off one at a time sort of thing, or at least that that's what the focus is on this. So I think that that was a really, really smart decision as you're watching the movie. I'd really love to not hate Adam Driver in something. <laughs> I'm not talking about his performance. I, his performance was fine. I had no problem with his performance. But it just seems like he plays the son of a bitch in everything. And <laughs> I feel like the last few things that I've seen him in, I've hated him. So I, I don't know how you feel about about Maurizio, but... That's kind of how I felt about the character going on. I got to say, though, I don't think Jeremy Irons gets enough credit for this movie. I really don't. I love Jeremy Irons anyway, and he's not in it a ton. But at the same time, I really think that the way the, the, the presence he brings to Rodolfo, I thought was really, really neat. I thought I think Jared Leto gets a bad rap as Paolo. I know that he got the Razzie nominated all said, OK, I, I get it. All right. But I think Jared Leto gets a bad rap. I think he did just fine. But I got to say, Salma Hayek as Pina, I think really, really stood out for me too. And just her relationship with Patrizia, I thought really, really was one of my favorite parts about the movie. And just, again, just seeing the chaos that starts to erupt slowly throughout this movie was just really, really fun as far as why I, I really did enjoy House of Gucci. And, and it's a, it, I thought it was a pretty good telling of the, of the true life story as well. It takes some liberties, of course, but you get to see how this lifestyle can lead to things like this. It's not common, but, you know, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And with money comes power and all that good stuff. And you see how that sort of plays out in this movie. So as far as the other bonus features go, you get the rise of the House of Gucci, which is the make, making of the movie, which has some really interesting bits as well. But, you know, the high fashion 
of this movie is certainly a big part of it from not only the stylistic stuff that gets brought out, but but the characters themselves as well. Because, you know, when you work in the fashion industry, you've got to portray yourself a certain way, right? So there's a whole special feature about the styling of the House of Gucci too, which is really, really, if you want to dive into that, you've got a really good chance to do that in this Blu-ray DVD 4K set that you that you can get here. And of course, I would do want to point out though that the digital code, if you're if you're somebody who really likes to buy stuff with the digital code, it is an Apple digital code. So you're going to need iTunes or something to redeem your digital copy. It won't work on movies anywhere or anything like that. So just keep that in mind if you're getting this. Make sure you have an Apple account if you want to get this digital copy. But I got to say, other than that, it's a very, very good release. You don't have to have a ton of special features to have a good release. I think they didn't overdo it. I don't think you didn't really need any like deleted scenes or anything like that because the movie's already like two and a half hours long anyway. So I can't imagine they cut out a ton that was worthwhile. I mean, Lady Gaga's mentioned a couple of things in interviews that I won't spoil that that were cut out that that maybe would have made things a little bit more interesting too. But I think that they, this is exactly what they needed to do. So I wasn't surprised at all with the special features that were available. I got the Blu-ray set that are available on this. I thought it was really, really neat. I do like that you still get the DVD. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm a DVD guy. You know, I always buy the 4K or the Blu-ray, but when it comes with the DVD, I always appreciate that because you know you get the. Sometimes you get the DVD player in the car or something, and you're on a long road trip if you're not driving, of course, and you want to throw on a movie. You could do that, which is really, really neat. And it's easy to throw in a laptop too, which I, which I really, really love. So House of Gucci now available from from Universal Pictures. Home entertainment, definitely worth your time, and I think should have been worth a little bit more awards consideration than it probably was, but definitely a very, very good movie and a lot of fun if you enjoy that story. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of House of Gucci and, of course, the Blu-ray release, which is now available everywhere you can get your discs and on digital as well. Up next, how about we take on a new movie from Hulu, No Exit. Talk about that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Arvind Ethan David, executive producer of Dirt Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This will definitely make you want to check the weather before you hit the road. It's No Exit, which is now streaming on Hulu, just came out today from 20th Century Studios. And I want to go ahead and give you my spoiler-free review of the movie, only because it just came out. I really don't want to get into spoilers or anything like that in case you haven't gotten a chance to see it. But basically the gist of it is it follows a college student named Darby, who's played by Havana Rose Liu, who kind of is on the highway. And there's a reason for that. I won't spoil what that is exactly. And she's in the mountains and she kind of gets stranded and she ends up stuck at a, I, I could spoil this part, visitor center. And she finds something and it's in the description. So I'll get and talk about this too. She finds a kidnapped child hidden in a car, and it belongs to one of the people inside. And that's kind of the basis for this. I guess you could call it horror. I think it's more of a thriller than horror, really. And that's just my opinion from from seeing it. But I will say this. This is a movie where I kind of didn't know what to expect going into this. And I'll just start off by saying this. And that this is certainly something that had potential. I don't think we're breaking any new ground here with the premise or anything like that. And that's fine. But I think that this one had a chance and it kind of missed 
in quite a few areas. One of the things that really kind of bugged me about the movie was, and Darby being the main character, they were, this movie really goes out of its way to try and make you feel like you should sympathize with her or root for her, however you want to put it. And honestly, she's not the most likable character, not because of what she's going through, but but kind of the way that she carries herself in the very beginning of the movie. And maybe there's a reason for that, and maybe it's understandable, and I get that. But, But at the same time, the movie really hammers home, you know what, you should be rooting for Darby. Here's why you should root for Darby. Look at all the bad things that have happened to Darby, and don't you feel sorry for her, and don't you want her to come out on the other side of this thing sort of thing. And it really was obvious that the, that, that the writing in this movie was to really push you to really, really want to like Darby. And, and I think it, it went a little bit overboard with that, quite frankly. Now, I will say there, there was at least one, if I, I would actually say two decent twists in the movie, and one of them involves without spoiling anything, Danny Ramirez's character. And Danny Ramirez, to me, steals the show of this entire movie. If anybody really stands out as a standout performer in this movie, it's Danny Ramirez. And just, I can't tell you why, because it's a spoiler, but at the same time, just the way that he switches gears was really, really impressive to me. And I just thought that the way he played with some of the other characters in the movie was done just very, very well. But there's also something with his character that creates a huge, huge plot hole. And it has to do with part of the antagonists of the movie. And it kind of doesn't get there's kind of something that's brought up in the middle of the movie. I wish I could spoil it because it make make it easier for me to, to, for you to understand it. But someone gets mentioned in this movie, but we never see them. We don't really get a conclusion to this person. And it's kind of left out there where when the movie was over, I went, yeah, but this is still a thing. And are we not addressing this? And it's something that could have actually been addressed pretty pretty easily and pretty quickly, I think. Just just a, a quick little mention or, or a blurb or, or you know, a newspaper on the table, something. It's, it just was completely glossed over. At the end, and I'm like, okay, cool, but then there's still this sort of thing. And, w- and when you watch the movie, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. And I, I, you might have the same reaction I do where you go, okay, uh, well, what about this person? And that's one of the things that drives me nuts about about just movies in general sometimes when you, you set something up and then you don't finish it. And that is one thing that this movie definitely did not do. It built a lot of good tension. I will say that much. The tension was palpable throughout this movie at times. So if, if this movie succeeds in two things, it's Danny Ramirez and the fact that they're creating really good tension in the movie. I thought the, the couple of twists that they had were pretty good. I thought that Mila Harris as Jay, I thought she did a really, really good job in the movie as well. I think that Dennis Haysbert's kind of wasted in this movie. I mean, you see his name attached and you're like, okay, instant legitimacy when you've got a guy like that. And he does play a, a, a big factor in the movie. But at the same time, I feel like his character is kind of wasted and it kind of bummed me out that they didn't really do more with his character and make him a bigger part 
of this story. Now, I mean, this is based on the novel from Taylor Adams. So, I mean, that, that that's part of it, too. You have to kind of play with with what you with, with what you've got. But at the same time, you know, there's creative changes that can be made movies and things like that. And there were certainly some made in this movie as well. But I kind of felt like we could have gotten more from Dennis Haysbert's character in this movie. But I mean, overall, it was it a terrible movie. No, I don't think it was terrible. I, do, I just don't think I think it could have been way more than it actually was. And I'm not sure if this thing really, really is edgy enough and tension filled enough and has enough really good character moments to be to be a winner for me. Maybe you feel differently, but I got to say no exit is just not something that resonated with me. If you feel differently, let me know why at down and nerdy seven, five, seven, but wished I could have gotten a little bit more out of this, but unfortunately fell a little bit flat for me. That'll do it for my spoiler free review of no exit, which is now streaming on Hulu up next. Let's see what kind of nerd news we can get into. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is comic book writer Jackson Landon, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Before you hit the warp drive, you might want to make sure everybody is buckled in. It's time for nerd news, and there has been some exciting news in the Star Trek realm this week, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Maybe exciting news, because it looks like we are getting a fourth Star Trek movie, The Kelvin Timeline is being restored with J.J. Abrams at the helm, and they're like, oh yeah, the cast is coming back. We're going to run it back for one more. Here's the problem. They forgot to tell the cast that this was actually happening, apparently. So the report goes on to say a new report that says the cast was pretty surprised when they found out that there was going to be a fourth movie. This is all coming from Paramount, by the way. The fourth movie is going to be coming through Paramount like the others did. Now, here's the thing. You kind of put the cart before the horse there, didn't you? And now here's the problem with that. Star Trek movies, you know the budget's going to be pretty big anyway, right? They like to go big, and we like that they like to go big. But here's the problem. It's not like they have a cheap cast, okay? Think about it. You've got Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. Then you've got Carl Urban, Zoe Saldana, who have only only gotten bigger star-wise since that Star Trek movie came out, okay? So now, and by the way, they're kind of busy, too, if you if you didn't think about that. I mean, between I mean, Zoe Saldana's got a lot going on. Carl Urban's got a ton going on. It's like Chris, not like Chris Pine's doing nothing. Same with Zachary Quinto. Plus, what are you going to do about Chekhov? That's the other thing, too. There's a lot of issues here. And I know that we've seen this cast say, you know, we love these Star Trek movies. We like working with each other. Of course, we'd want to come back for another one, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, this is a business. And as fans, we need to realize that sometimes, too. This is still a business, and if you just announced that, hey, the cast is coming back, we're going to do this after having all those reports of, okay, yeah, now it's not happening, we're going to move on from the, remember those reports came out too, we're going to move on, we've decided not to do it, couldn't agree, all of these things, and now you come out and say, yeah, we're running it back, and you don't already have the cast locked in, reportedly, that's a big deal, because now, if you're going to, you can't pull this back now. You can't all of a sudden say, well, you know, now such and such isn't going to be back. Or you can't point, you can't blame them either. You can't point the finger and, and say, well, such and such wanted too much money. It's their fault that they're not going to be back. Be mad at them. That's not going to work. Okay. Now, anything that happens from here on out in the negative realm is going to fall back on Paramount. So now you've got to back up the Brinks truck for these stars to get them all back. So that's just going to push the budget up even more. Will that be the, to the detriment? Of everything else, I don't know, maybe, 
Probably not, because I think that this is one of those things where I think blockbusters are only going to get bigger as time goes on here, because I think Hollywood in general is going to try and recoup some money from everything that happened with the pandemic. So you're going to see bigger blockbusters, you know, the adage of you got to spend money to make money. So you're going to see bigger blockbusters, bigger names. And I think that's one of the reasons you do this, too. If you're going to make it big, you can't reboot now. you got to try and do something that fans really want. And despite Star Trek Beyond not being a, a, a super great movie, fans still want this cast back. It wasn't the cast that was a problem with Star Trek Beyond. So you want to give people a reason to go back to the movies. This is it. So now you're going to have to pull out all the stops to make that happen. I just think it would have been smarter, and maybe they did. Maybe this report is false, and maybe this is something that will have to be retracted later on. But I, I, I would have locked up the cast first before I came out with this news. Or maybe they're just that confident that they've got the number, that they've already worked out the numbers, and that everything's going to work out. I do think everything's going to work out regardless. It just seems like he could have saved a little bit of money by getting the cast on board first, making this big, major, big deal announcement where, you know, you get people through Zoom or whatever and you put a video together saying we're back sort of thing. And I think that that would have been a really cool way to do it. But, I mean, this is fine, too, as long as it works out. <laughs> let's, let me, let's make that clear. As long as it works out. Got a bunch of trailers to talk about, too. We've got Constantine in the House of Mystery coming from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment on March the th- excuse me May the 3rd. And, of course, that means coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, and digital on that date. It's also going to have a bunch of the animated shorts, DC animated shorts, with it as well. Commandy's going to be a part of this one. You're also going to get The Losers and Blue Beetle, all of which were released in previous releases throughout the last year or so. But you'll also get them on this release as well. And basically what you have here is you have Constantine that's going to be stuck in the House of Mystery. And, you know, obviously he's not just going to stay there. He's going to want to try and get out. Here's the thing, though. All of his friends are being turned into demons and stuff. So that that can't be good for John and his, you know, already fragile mental state, right? John Constantine's a confident dude, but at the same time, He's also not the most mentally stable guy in the world. I think we know that from past experiences. So this is supposedly a punishment for, you know, breaking the universe, which, hey, I mean, it's not like it's the first time somebody in the DC universe has done that. So I don't know why they're coming down so hard on just Johnny. But the thing I love here is that, yeah, guess what? You got Matt Ryan back as Constantine. You absolutely 100% did that right. And then you've got Camilla Ludington back as Zatanna. you got to have that. you got Ray Chase back as Etrigan. Had to have that. Then you're also going to add Greg Griffin and Lou Diamond Phillips. As if I wasn't excited for this enough already, that puts it over the top 100%. So DC Showcase presents Constantine and the House of Mystery. Going to be coming to Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, and digital on May the 3rd from Warner Brothers Entertainment. Looking forward to that. And of course, you know I'm going to have a review of that. Being a Constantine nerd, I've got to have this one in my collection. A couple more things that I want you to look forward to. Upload is coming back for a second season on Prime Video on March the 11th. They just released the trailer for this upcoming season. And spoiler alert, if you didn't see the end of last season, things didn't exactly end well for Nathan and Nora. Okay? So now what we're exploring is them being with other people. You've got Ingrid back in the picture. She uploaded for Nathan. So, you know, they're back together. Nora, who who left the company entirely, 
She joined the LUDs, which is an anti-tech rebel group. So she's dating someone from there as well. But, you know, the spark's still there. You see that in the trailer. You kind of hope that they're going to find their way back to each other somehow, some way. You've also got these additions to Lakeview, which are really funny. The, the, the babies. You've got this weird program called Prototypes that you kind of see on display. And you see a, a baby pop into Ingrid's hand, which I think is really, really funny. And it looks like we're going to have a little bit of a Robin Hood scenario in this season as well. You know, robbing the data from the rich to give to the poor sort of thing. I think that that's going to be really, really fun. Just looks like there's a lot of different angles to the second season of Upload. And, of course, Robbie Amell is just, as Nathan, it's just a perfect casting there and has great chemistry with Andy Allo, who plays Nora. And this was a really fun first season, so I'm really looking forward to seeing where they can go in the second season and expand on things a little bit. Of course, I will have interviews for this coming up in a couple of weeks as well. It doesn't come out till March 11th. That's probably when the interviews will drop. But I got a couple of really exciting things for the second season of Upload to share with you. But this trailer just confirms to me what I already knew. And then that that was this second season of Upload is going to be really, really fun and actually adds to the intrigue and expands on the world as well. So I'm really looking forward to see what they can do with this. Apple TV Plus has really got some neat stuff that's coming out this year as well. And one of the things I wanted to touch on was We Crashed, which is a very, very interesting limited series going to be starring Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. That's wow star power right there for a series, and especially for a limited series. And basically this is actually going to follow, it's inspired by the events of the We Work company. You might remember We Work from several years ago. I mean, they grew into a $47 billion company and then just kind of crashed out. And that's why, again, we crashed. So the, the value plummets. So it explores the story of what happened there in this relationship between the two characters of Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway and this couple who, you know, they support each other at first and then he goes a little nuts and she realizes, hey, why am I not getting enough credit for this too? And, yeah, things sort of start to unravel from there. But you see in this trailer, you see that in the trailer, and the first three episodes are going to drop on March the 18th, by the way, and then weekly after that until, I think, April 22nd is the finale. But you just see how incredibly talented Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway are when you look at this trailer, and you see them just kind of go back and forth. And then once things start to get combative, you see that side of them come out. And that's when stuff really starts to shine for me in this trailer. Yes, it's a little bit of a love story in the beginning, but then you see when when they're out for blood, that's when the really, really interesting moments in this trailer come out. And I'm not saying that the early episodes aren't going to be interesting. I'm sure that they are. But I, I can't wait to see when when things start hitting the fan and things start getting a little off-center, how really, really great this series can be. So, limited series, enjoy it while it lasts. We crashed coming to Apple TV+, Plus. first three episodes on March the 18th. Let's do this. Really quickly, I wanted to mention, just in case you wanted to know, that Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be coming to Digital HD on March the 22nd. That is confirmed now. And April 12th on 4K and DVD, Blu-ray, and and things like that. So if you're waiting for the at-home release of Spider-Man No Way Home, I know I certainly was, that's the information there. Spoiler alert, they finally used 
Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to promote it. They had the whole, you know, Spider-Man pointing at each other meme sort of thing. The only thing they did wrong was they did it with the masks off. And I understand why they did that because you're trying to make a point. But the meme has the Spider-Man with the masks on. So it kind of loses a little bit of effect. But I like what they did there. And I'm all for it. I think that's really, really fun that they did that. That's not Those aren't the only characters to look forward to, though, in Spider-Man No Way Home. You know that because you've probably seen it a billion times already. So that's it's already broken the Voodoo pre-order records, too, by the way, according to Voodoo, who, annou- who first announced the, the, um, digital, the digital release date for this. So if, if it's already broken records, imagine what it's going to be like when it actually gets released on March the 22nd. If Voodoo doesn't crash on that day, then more power to them. I'm really, really glad that this thing is finally, finally getting out there. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to my amazing guests for joining me this week. Not only Camila Moreno from CW's Naomi, but also Stars of Fistful of Vengeance, Lawrence Cow and Juju Chanzetso for joining me this week as well. You want to know more about us? Go to downandnerdypodcast.com. Also follow along on social media at downandnerdy757 on Instagram and on Twitter. And also don't forget at downandnerdy on Facebook. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.